This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Of course, as always, thanks to our Patreon sponsors. We appreciate you so much. You encourage us and you help with the cost of doing this podcast. And we have openings for our Patreon sponsor of the month. You'll get to advertise your books or services or website or whatever you want to advertise. They get a banner and a link on the website and in the show notes and announcement here in the show. So check it out at patreon.com forward slash right from the deep. Yes. Um, and I will be at the Florida Christian Writers Conference, Lake Yale Conference Center in Leesburg, Florida. I'm excited. That's coming up here. Um, it'll be October 19th through 23rd. And you can find out more information at that at word-weavers.com slash Florida events. And so wonder of wonders is <laughs> my turn this time. And... Well, a sad thing happened. My mother-in-law passed away and, you know, we were dealing with our grief and amidst that, there's also um, estate issues to deal with. But the nice thing is that there's an inheritance for my husband, which is great because our deck needs to be replaced (laughs) and he's going to help with that. But at the same time, our church has been going through the book of Ephesians and guess what? It talks about our inheritance there as co-heirs with Christ, as God's children. God sent Jesus to secure an inheritance for us. So it was interesting because, you know, we're thinking about this inheritance from Alan's mother, but at the same time, our church is talking about this glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul talks about it in Ephesians uh, in one uh, chapter 1, verses 11, 12. He says, in Christ, we have a Obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. It just it just keeps hitting me, this glorious inheritance. It can never fade or be taken away, and God keeps it safe for us. And yes, an earthly inheritance is nice, but no matter what our situation is here on earth, I encourage us all to spend time thinking about and thanking God for our glorious inheritance. That's a wonder. And now, here's the show. Welcome, listeners. We're excited that you've joined us here in the deep. You know, guys, we all know the writing life can be hard. We have to be vulnerable on the page, right? And then take critique like it doesn't hurt, (laughs) but it does sometimes. We have to learn the rules of the publishing industry, and then we watch people break those rules and succeed. (laughs) We invest time, sweat, and dollars into honing our craft, and we never even know for sure if anyone's going to care enough to read our product, our finished words, let alone if those words are going to affect anyone. So are y'all depressed yet? (laughs) Because this is a major setup for angst. 
more so because it's not a one-time deal. We have to keep learning our craft, keep paying attention and adapting to the turbulent publishing industry. And it is more and more turbulent all the time. And even if someone did read our last book, we have to keep putting words out there without knowing who will read the next book. Here's the deal. There are no guarantees in publishing, and that drives me crazy. You guys know if you listen to our podcast that we preach obedience to God as the measure of success. And if he's asking us to put words out there, it doesn't matter if people don't read it. Now, don't don't let me lose you here. It doesn't matter if people don't read it if that's God's plan for the writing that we're doing. But knowing that still doesn't make it easy to keep going forward. Right. So today we're going to share three pieces of wisdom with you, or we titled this three pieces of advice, but this is like wisdom that will help you through these challenges. It's wisdom that has stood the test of time, and it comes from the Apostle Paul, and it's in his first letter to the Thessalonians. Now, I know what you're thinking. What in the world does ancient Thessalonica have to do with the publishing industry? But let me give you some background, and we'll also have a link. I've got an article in the show notes, so you can read more about the background if you want. But one of the reasons that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians was to restore their hope. And one of the reasons they needed their hope restored was because they experienced several unexpected deaths. You know, we writers experience unexpected deaths as well. Only more often, it's a beloved character that your editor <laughs> says must be written out. Person. Or it's the death of a promising publishing contract or the death of a book idea that you really loved, but God is leading you to set it aside. Maybe it's just a manuscript that has too many fatal flaws and you need to let it die and start from scratch. Or the death of your dream for an award or a bestsellers list or to quit your day job or just to make money with your (laughs) writing. Death happens all the time. And it happened in Thessalonica, too. Indeed. And another reason Paul wrote this letter was to help the people understand that persecution is normal for Christians. Here's here's the secret. People don't always like you. And (laughs) as you guys write, you know... You might be writing truth, and people don't always like to hear the truth. There will be people who hate you just for no reason, even. Suffering is a normal part of the Christian life, and it's a normal part of the writing life. Things go wrong. Bad things happen. Publishing is not fair. Life is not fair. This is the way of things. So the reason why we want you to have the backdrop to this letter clear in your minds is because it makes his wisdom that he's going to share all the more astounding and counterintuitive. So are you ready? In the midst of death, suffering, persecution, and things going horribly wrong, Paul's first piece of advice is rejoice always. <laughs> that is right. In the midst of stuff dying all around us, rejoice. In the midst of persecution, rejoice. You know, and this is really a biblical command. Yes, it's advice, but it's a biblical command. His inspired writing is the authoritative word of God. I mean, Paul says not just here, but elsewhere, like in Philippians 4.4, 4, that God's children are to rejoice, not should rejoice, can rejoice, may rejoice, but we are to rejoice. We might be writers, but first we're God's children. 
So what does it look like to rejoice always? Are we supposed to laugh and dance around when we learn of tragedy? Never be sad or depressed? Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, we're human and we're allowed those emotions. We're allowed to grieve. We're allowed to be disappointed. We're allowed to struggle. Indeed. And remember, like Jesus himself wept when he stood at Lazarus's tomb and he knew what was going to happen next, but he still wept. So we don't ignore our pain, but in the midst of that pain, we can allow and foster and encourage a deeper joy to still exist. So we're going to give you some ways to do that. And first, recognize and affirm that God is in control, that he is good, and that he's going to work all things for his good purpose. Now, I'm not telling you to slap on a happy face, but it's holding to the truth in obedience. When bad things happen in our writing lives, and they will, we hold on to the truth and trust that God is in control, he's good, and he's going to work all things for his good purpose. It's interesting, through all the things that Don and I have gone through individually and as a couple, there have been a lot of difficult things. And my response has become, God, what are you doing? And and sometimes I say that in grief or in frustration. Sometimes I say it because there's something surprising and wonderful. And, and I just sit there amazed and say, God, what are you doing? What that does is it reminds me that it's God who is doing what's happening. Everything that comes to us comes by his hand. And it's it's not that I'm in control of anything, but he's in control. And remembering that with that question isn't a challenge to him. It's a submission to him and saying, in essence, whatever you're doing, guide me, show me how to focus on you. So another way to keep a deeper joy through suffering is to continually invite and embrace the Holy Spirit's work in us that spirit to give us the fruit of joy. Joy is so much different than happiness. It's so much richer than happiness. Joy can happen in the face of terrible things because of the assurance that we have in God. The gifts of the spirit come from him. We don't manufacture them, but we can make the choice to keep embracing, keep inviting, keep trusting that the fruit of joy will grow. Right. And another way that we can cultivate deeper joy is to spend time in worship. Yes, even when things are awful and hard. Remember what Job did when he learned that all his children died, all his wealth was carried off by raiders. Here's what Job did in um, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed Blessed be the the name of the Lord. Lord. I love that. How hard is that, though? It's easy to say, blessed be the name of the Lord when he gives, but when he takes away, it's, it's a challenge. But look at what he did. He still grieved. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. Those are signs of grief and distress and lament. But he still acknowledged God and worshiped God. And think about when Paul and Silas were in prison. What did they do? They sang hymns. Paul knows what he's talking about when he commands us to rejoice always. He lived through the challenges of doing just that. He lived through horrible things, beatings, all kinds of terrible things, and yet always, always rejoiced in God. 
So lastly, as a general attitude in life, don't focus on negativity or pessimism because your thoughts affect your emotions. If, if you're so focused on the negative things and got your hands gripped around them, you can't open your hands to receive the good. It's hard to rejoice when you are constantly focused on your wounds, your trials, your aggravations, and, and all those ugly things that invade our lives. Paul instructs the Philippians in the letter to them, which is full of the command to rejoice, to think about things that are true, that are noble, that are right, pure, lovely, and admirable. And how in the world, if you focus on them, can you be focused on negativity? You can't. So when you start getting focused on negativity, when you start going through that litany of all the terrible things that are happening to you, let that be your trigger to stop and to think about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Right. So the next piece of wisdom, well, command, we'll call it command, actually, is to pray without ceasing. But what does that mean? You know, that could mean a lot of things. But I was looking on the internet, I found an article on the Gospel Coalition website, which we'll link into the show notes, because it has some great insights. But the deal is praying without ceasing is about our attitude. It's about our normal posture in life being that of humble reliance on God. And I love the way the article puts it. It says, praying without ceasing means that there's a spirit of dependence that should permeate all we do. So as we're writing, we write independence of God. We depend on him as we encounter the death of our manuscript or goal or character or whatever. We walk through that in a state of humble reliance. As we suffer, we walk in a spirit of acknowledgement that God is our strength through it, our justifier, our defender and helper. Praying without ceasing is being ever mindful of our need and God's constant supply. Since we moved to Washington, I've been spending time here and there with my great niece, who's just a little tyke. And it's amazing to me how she just automatically turns to her mom and dad or to her grandma and grandpa, my brother and sister-in-law, um, when she needs something, whether it's a drink of water or something to eat, or if she's scared of something, she just automatically turns to them. And that should be our position with God as his little children. You know, we don't need to repeat the same prayer every second of our lives, but we do need to pray repeatedly and often, as this article puts it. And it goes on to say that our default mental state should be, oh, God, help. We should turn to him automatically. Mm, yes. And another thing praying without ceasing means is that we keep praying no matter what in terms of the fact that we just never give up on prayer. We never, ever give up on prayer. As Christians and writers, giving up on prayer can be a temptation, I think, that we don't even know we're facing because maybe we just got discouraged or tired or burned out and we're just feeling battered and we feel like God isn't answering our prayers and we just kind of stop praying or maybe we get angry and we deliberately stop talking to God. That, my friends, is one of the most dangerous things you can do. When you stop praying, it disrupts your connection to God. We're isolated and a prime target, not just for the lies we tell ourselves, but the destructive things our enemy will tell us. Paul's third command, the third piece of advice, is in everything, give thanks. Yeah. Every time I read that, I think everything, seriously, <laughs> everything. 
But that's that's what he says. Give in everything, give thanks, not just for the good things, not just the easy things, not just the fun things, everything. And that means give thanks for the hard things, too. Right, because we all know that the writing life is filled with setbacks and painful lessons and disappointments and, you know, certainly lots of unexpected detours. So sure, take a moment, collect your thoughts, grieve, lament, it's okay. But underneath of that, you still want to have a thankful heart as an act of obedience. Obedience, we do that. As an act of obedience, we still need to walk in gratitude because, again, God is sovereign and works everything for our good and His glory. That's what we have to come back to over and over again. That's the truth He's given us. That's the hope. And let's not neglect to give thanks for good things. Yes, it's easier to give thanks for good things, and it's often our initial reaction. But I think there are times when we forget, where we just kind of take it in stride. Yeah, that was a really cool thing and and move on without really stopping with a thankful heart and directing that gratitude to God. How often do we wake up in the morning and thank God that he's putting breath in our mouths and in our lungs? I can tell you, I do it almost every day now because living (laughs) in Washington, I have more breath that goes into (laughs) my mouth and my lungs. How often do we thank him that our heart is beating, that he made the sunrise, that he's holding the entire universe together, even right this second. I mean, stop and think about that. Every single aspect of who you are, of who your family is, of your world, of your life, of your writing, he's holding it all together and working things out for his purposes. I mean, we could spend every second of our lives thanking God for all the good things he does because there are so many. And again, if we're focused on thanking him, it's so much easier to rejoice and not get caught up in negativity. That's right. So Paul tells us, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in everything. But I love the rest of the verse. It says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We're going to call this a piece of bonus wisdom or maybe (laughs) clarification, because how many of us struggle to know what God's will is? Here it is. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is what he wants us to do. And when we're faithful in these things, we are in God's will. Now, yes, I understand. Sometimes we feel like we need answers to questions that we should have. You know, should I submit to this agent, that one, or go to this conference or that one or none or whatever? You know, should I keep writing in this genre or switch to that one? You know, but be careful that you don't overemphasize your need for answers and underemphasize time spent rejoicing in God's presence or thanking him or resting in his presence or letting him lead the conversation You know, just sit and quietly adore him and listen and stop worrying. (laughs) If nothing else sticks in your brain, stop worrying. God's got this. Always. God's got this. And you know, all of this worship and silence before him, they're part of rejoicing always. Part of praying without ceasing and giving thanks and everything. Have a running conversation with God throughout the day. Be so focused on him that you have the same kind of relationship and conversation with him that you do with a spouse or a child or a parent. God is there and he wants relationship with us. So, you know, doing that will help you find your way because we'll trust that God is in fact leading us and that he's working things out in his time and for his purposes. 
the more we focus on him, friends, the more that we adore him and listen to him, the more we follow the three pieces of advice from Paul in this chapter, the more we will realize we don't have to spend any time worrying or being afraid. We can rest in Almighty God who has purposed our steps, who has asked us to write his truths, and who has already the plan in mind for what he's going to do with our work and our offerings to him. You don't need to fear. You don't need to worry. Just rest in him, pray, praise him, and remember, God's got this. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Thank you.